1: up to $100. Just visit prizepickscom slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepickscom slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: Going on everybody and welcome back to the Friday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show i'm your host josh harris we are sponsored by vivid picks as you're rolling in you know the drill my friends hit that like button hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of our shows all of our shenanigans we'll have a nice little saturday show for you tomorrow we get a little wild on saturday but hope if you are in the united states of america your thanksgiving was great you watched some football I had a Millie Maker sweat last night going into the late game. I had a unique lineup in 69th. Nice. Going into the late game, but uh, didn't have McCaffrey in the right spots. Hope you guys won some money yesterday. Now we uh, turn our attention back to Black Friday deals. Some hockey. My wife uh, wants to buy a $600 vacuum. Uh, we do have four dogs, though, so it's probably worth it. How was uh, your day off yesterday? Uh good and bad
3: i mean i lost power wednesday at supper time and it didn't come back for 18 hours so that wasn't great um i had to do some fantasy hockey writing sitting in the parking lot of a tim hortons at five o'clock in the morning which is not what you want to do uh but i went to go see napoleon yesterday uh really uh really enjoyed it thought it was a good movie um not a great movie but certainly a good movie good action set pieces um Watched a little bit of football last night. Um, Just ready to kind of, I want to say enjoy the day of hockey, but I haven't watched a second of hockey yet because we've been uh, working on this slate. But, uh, you know, full slate, full day of games, uh, can't really complain about that. So, six games tonight, a couple interesting matchups. Unfortunately, we have Seattle again. I'm glad they got their expansion team, but they're really starting to grind my gears. But anyway, we'll get to that game a little bit later. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I'm just intrigued by a couple of these matchups, um, especially with a, a lot of injury news uh, across the slate that that we'll get to when we talk about those games that could change um, how we look at some of those games.
2: Yeah, uh, my wife says you want the vacuum just as much as I do. I like expensive toys. I'm a diva. Uh, I like. You know, I have some expensive taste, so yeah, I kind of do want the vacuum. Also, big news, and it's not really surprising because it's the Flyers and Mika Zabanajan absolutely nukes the Flyers. The Rangers top line has three three goals at five on five today. Uh, and, me, yeah, Meeks scored the on his first shift. His first five-on-five goal of the season comes after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, of course, so, the Flyers, he's on a hat trick watch. He scored, what, five goals against the Flyers last year or something like that? Yeah, so, uh,
3: you know, maybe that top line's turning around and, and, you know, making a pretty formidable top six moving forward. We'll see. Yeah, Blake Wheeler,
2: even, when, even though he has two primary assists. Yeah. This is... This is a fun little six-gamer, though. I'm glad that they kind of split-slate this so we didn't have to have back-to-back slates. We're talking, like, 15-game slates back-to-back. It, like, you have to rush through 14... Like, we did it in, what, like, 80 minutes the other day, and it just felt like we didn't give it enough tension that we could. So, like, six-gamers, we can at least break down the games, can actually give you some good information. Not that we don't on the 14 games. It just feels a little rushed. So, I, I do... Like the six gamers. Let's get into the slate. But again, before we do, for Black Friday, that's today, get any Sims package 50% off for new customers. The deal ends on Sunday. If you signed up with the Millie promo, don't worry, we got you. You'll be emailed a coupon that will allow you to renew your sub for 50% off your next payment. Because we're nice. Build up to 10,000 lineups in Stochastic, 5,000 for NBA in 60 seconds with our contest generator. The base package allows you to build up to 500 lineups and export up to 20. The max package allows you to build up to 10,000 lineups, 5,000 for NBA, with unlimited exports. So you can click the link in the description below. You can go to stochastic.com. You'll see it. You click it. You do it. Blah, blah. If you did sign up with the Millie promo, you'll get the email. Let's uh, hop into this slate. Let's start with uh, My boys. They're not really my boys, but my biggest wins of the season last year with, with them, New York Islanders, the 3.1 total. Heading into Ottawa, the Senators have a 3.3 total. Had a little moment of lapse there. I forgot their names. Um, Senators back from Sweden, and they're going to be going with Kachuk, Norris, Tarasenko, Stutzla, Drew, Joseph, Third line of Batherson, Kubalik, and Roby Giroventi. I don't really like these Ottawa lines. (laughs) Like it's, I don't know. DJ Smith. I'm kind of growing tired of him. But you know what? Can you do? You you can just you know maybe not stack them. The top line of Tarasenko, Norris, Kachuk, seventeen thousand six hundred. Coming in very high, owned on the six game slate with a little bit of negative leverage, over 14% projected. They'll probably see a fair bit of the Islanders Brock Nelson line. That line, you know, they're mm-hmm. their best Islanders line, but they still trade chances. So if you want to do that, it's fine. Like, I think for me, Ottawa, I want to go Stutzla Giroux. Thing is, like, Islanders penalty kill has been pretty bad. So, like, maybe power play stacking. I know you like some depth of Ottawa. I'll let you talk about that. I want to steal your thunder there, so I'll let you talk about them on the Islander side. Like we we've talked about it, like that top line is, like, I don't know, man. Like the Islanders, it's it's really for me that second line or figure out someone that can play up on the top line consistently, create a bunch. I don't know. They've tried Walsh from up there. He's been bad. They've tried. Lee up there, he's, you know, he doesn't have any knee ligaments. You know what I mean? They got to figure something out out there. So Islanders, two for me, and Ottawa, power play. Yeah, um, I'll start on the Islanders side. Uh, you know,
3: we talked about it on the Wednesday show how gone on kind of a little streak. Um, he had six points over a four-game stretch. Uh so you know he was starting to come around. I think the big thing about Barzal is he's starting to shoot more too. He has 15 shots in his last five games. Like three shots per game is is pretty good for him. I, it's funny. It's funny you say they gotta figure out somebody to play, because I think I dropped it in the Discord today. Might have been on Twitter. I like, I'd, you know, I'm just
2: everything blends together.
3: Yeah. Um, Simon Holmstrom is second on the team in goals for 60 minutes of five on five, behind only Brock Nelson. So he's scoring, but Horvat and Barzal are not. Like, it's just, it's it's a wild scene, man. And, you know, it's the same problem that we've always talked about. It's just, it's way, 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 way too many shots from the blue line. Like, honestly, if you look at their shot chart with the line on the ice, it looks like Brent Burns in San Jose from like seven years ago. I that, like, it's absolutely crazy. Um, it's kind of the problem. Like, their last hundred minutes together... They're at like 70 shot attempts for 60 minutes, which is a lot of shot attempts to create. They're at 2.4 expected goals, which is below average, below the league average. And it's because they're just bombing shots from the point and hoping for a deflection or hoping for a rebound, which it can work. It's very unlikely to. That's kind of the problem of your defenseman bombing shots from the point. Um, Not to mention that they're going to be going up against that stutzler Giroux line, and they i agree with you on the ottawa lines and we'll talk about that in a second the thing is is that line is is really good it's Stutzler and Giroux are at 1.7 expected goals against per 60 minutes like as long as i guess the problem is is like it because it's anton forsberg starting tonight like i believe corpus was injured like, Forsberg's been pretty rough so far this season like there's a pretty good reason why i mean besides injuries and all that like there is a reason why um corpus Allo was taking so many starts because You know, I think Forsberg had one good game when they were over in Sweden. Other than that, his save percentage is like 850 or 860 or something like that. Like pitiful. Um, Like stuff that would get you devoted to the AHL. Uh, So that's what kind of worries me. But, you know, that Ottawa second line is a really bad matchup for the Islanders top line. So I agree with you. I'm out on Islanders one. Islanders two, I think, is kind of where it's at for me. Like, um, you know, the... Ottawa middle 6 probably or middle 6. Ottawa top line is probably average-ish defensively and you know that's it's not awful but it's not something to fear um if you're a, if you're that second line going in and I was looking at the Islanders second line to see if their numbers have been falling off lately um just in November they're still at 3.9 expected goals for uh per 60 minutes uh, Kyle Palmieri second on the team in shots per minute uh at five or at all strengths. Uh, Brock Nelson is first. So, like the two shot happiest forwards on this team, at least over the last few weeks, are playing, are both playing on this line. You know, I wrote up Brock Nelson in the in the article today, uh Pix article, free to read almost every day over at stochastic.com. Just head on over to the NHL section. Um, the senators are allowing about 30% more shot attempts at five on five with the Drew Stutzload line off the ice. And Brock Nelson is on pace for over 40 goals this year. And it's not a shooting percentage bender. He, I think he's at a three-year low in shooting percentage. It's the fact that he's creating so many shots for himself. And, you know, his teammates are for him as well. Um, his He's had a, a, a career-high shot attempt rate, 35% higher than his previous career high. And like, it's still kind of a small sample. We're only a quarter of the way into the season, but it's still a quarter of the way into the season. Um, I really like... Islanders too here they're not coming in with a ton of ownership uh on DraftKings I think they're coming in with a lot more ownership on FanDuel so if you're on or it's the other way around sorry a lot more ownership on on DraftKings and less on FanDuel so I think FanDuel they make a lot more sense I don't think you necessarily have to include Engball. um he is kind of like uh the straw that stirs the drink on that line but at the same token he's not a guy that that shoots a lot he's not a guy that scores a lot Like, even if he puts up, you know, he might put up like 10 or 11 DK points, and that'd be fine for his price. But he's, I don't think he's a must. But yeah, I really, I do like the matchup a lot better for Islanders, too. Islanders three's just not been good. So I don't want them. And I'm going to talk about why I do like the Ottawa's third line in a second. On the Ottawa side, like getting to the line compositions, Josh Norris, like most centers have some comp, some playmaking component to their game. It's not very often that you have a center a top six center, especially, um, that basically just scores goals. And that's basically what Norris is. He is not a playmaking center at all. And, you know, Brady Kachuk's playmaking numbers were pretty good last year. They've taken a dive so far this year. Um, And then you have uh, Vladimir Tarasenko on the other side, who's actually turned into the playmaker now. He's, you know, he's getting older. He's like 30, what, 32 or 33 now. Like he doesn't, he's not shooting nearly as much as he used to. And Tarasenko actually leads this team in assists on teammates scoring chances per minute so far this season. Like Vladimir Tarasenko on a team with Tim Stutzler, with Klojiru, with Brady Kachuk, who, like I said, had good playmaking numbers last year, is leading this team in playmaking, uh, in some of the playmaking stats I look at. So... You're banking on a very one-way Tarasenko because his defense is just, it's just not apparent. You're banking on a very one-way Tarasenko to do all the playmaking on that line or, you know, maybe the defenseman like Chikrin or, or, you know, Brandstrom or something. It's just a lot to ask. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a bad matchup for Ottawa, one, and, you know, you get two out of the three guys on the top power play you know, with Kachuk and Norris, so I get wanting to play them. But it's not like they're coming in with super low ownership. They're like 11% on FanDuel, 14% on DraftKings. They're coming in with negative leverage per the Top Stacks tool uh, over on DK. So it's not like you know, a lot of times you and I play Ottawa when they're like two, three, four percent. That's not going to be the case here tonight. Um, there's the Top Stacks for the second line and the top line 14.1%. So because it's a good power play matchup, I don't have a real problem playing the top line. I just don't know if I'm going to be getting there because I think they're coming in with a little bit too much ownership for me. The second line, they are really, really good. Stutzer Giroux, uh, Matthew Joseph, Stutzer on the top power play unit. He's also only shooting 9.1%, which I think is a career low for him. Been over 10% every season of his career so far. They are creating quite a bit. I just think it's a lot of a tougher matchup going up against the, the Nelson or not the Nelson sorry the Horbat bars all line because they are pretty good they are pretty good defensive line with with Holmstrom there um so I don't mind Ottawa two Ottawa three is where it gets interesting for me um I did write up Drake Batherson uh in the power play article here today I think he makes a pretty good one off uh here tonight like him and Kubelik are basically league average by expected goals for numbers the thing is is the auto or the islanders third line that they're going to be matched up against a fair bit here tonight is terrible like jean gabriel pajot has the worst expected goals impacts on the team the next worst impacts are oliver wallstrom and you were talking about anders lee like really being kind of a shell of his former self um you know after the knee surgery it's not a good line 2.3 expected goals for 3.6 against Shot attempts for and against per 60 minutes with them on the ice are 51-4, 86 against. <laughs> They're getting run over. So, like, while I don't think this Ottawa 3 line is, is you know, like a hidden gem or anything like that, I just think it's a really, really good matchup for them. And you get Bathurston on the top power play unit. So, I do like Ottawa 3. I would probably just do, like, a two-man of Bathurston and Kubelik because they they moved T off that line quite a bit, um, I think, with good reason. Uh, so I do like Ottawa three. I think my favorite stack in this game is honestly just an Ottawa power play stack. Like I and I think you can even stack like across three lines, like do like a Kachuk Stutzla Batherson stack. I think that's kind of my favorite stack in this entire game. But if we're looking at just even strength lines, it's Islanders two, Ottawa three, Ottawa one.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm kind of like you talk about Norris's lack of playmaking ability. That's why I'm kind of surprised he doesn't play with Giroux because Giroux is probably their best playmaker. But well,
3: not it just seems weird because they had Giroux on the top line with Kachuk for a while, but the, it was while Stutzla was also there. And then they move Stutzla down and they bring Giroux with them. So it's like I, I, you know, they want to leave that pairing to, uh, for us together. That's fine. It's just what does it do to the rest of your lineup, especially because you have Grieg and Pinto both out of the lineup. Like you're missing, you're missing playmaking centers. You don't have a lot of playmaking wingers. We'll see what happens tonight.
2: Yeah, Pinto was on the Cowboys minus 13 last night, by the way. But anyway, Tampa Bay Lightning with a 2.8 total heading into Carolina. The Hurricanes have a 3.6 total. We were talking about this the first thing we talked about when we got on together. The total, the totals we put in our run sheet and the opening totals were before Vasilevsky got confirmed. Like Vasilevsky back for the Lightning tonight. We were both expecting the, the hurricane's total will to come down. It hasn't moved.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family, it's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com/renew to learn more.
1: Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever.
2: So, like Vegas is expecting uh, Jonas Johansson in like a Jonas Johansson performance in that. Like I, I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure what to make of it. And sorry, just to
3: cut in for a second. And like the rumors had been that Vasla Basilev- for a couple of days ago, where that Vasilevsky would be starting this game. So it's not like um, it opened at a 3.7 in there, expecting Jonas Johansson. I'm assuming people making the lines thought Vasilevsky was going to be starting as well. Because I know I did. So like it's high
2: yeah i mean like yeah he's on the wrong side of 30 for a goalie he's coming back from back surgery um he's had a wildly high workload the past few years with all the you know the the lightning cup runs it's hard to say from a macro perspective in dfs what it's like how it's going to impact him tonight like Like, we can say, oh, he's going to have a 41-save shutout. Oh, six goals on 28 shots. Like, both are possible outcomes for any goalie on any night. Like, it's so hard to say, like, how all of this is going to impact it tonight. So you go off the total, right, and you see the ownership on Carolina, and it's just like, I don't know, man. Like, if Carolina's going to be chalk, I know playing the goalie against chalk isn't isn't how you leverage an NHL slate, but, like, Vasilevsky's cheap here tonight, so, like, Maybe you play Vasilevsky, but on the at the same token, like Svechnikov, Kokniemi, Emi, fourteen four 14-4, against the Tampa middle six, which isn't very good because John Cooper is insistent on keeping Sorelli and Stamkos together, which hasn't worked since the Reagan administration. It's just like, I don't know, man. Like, I think Carolina's a good play. But, like, what Vasilevsky are you going to get? So, like, I, I think – Then you throw the ownership component into it, and you're kind of like, I don't really want to take that chance. One, because Vasilevsky can, you know, shut anyone down. Two, they're going to be owned. So, like, do I really want to play a chalky Carolina against Vasilevsky? So, I think in my one-to-three, I'm going to be looking elsewhere. But, like, I think they are just with the unknowns of this game. Like, I think they're a good MME play.
3: Yeah, um, just to start on the Carolina side – there, this is the ownership you were talking about. um That second line, 11.5% ownership, 5.5% top two stack. That's on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it's even a higher 22.7% ownership. It's a lot. um I did write up that line for uh, the picks article today, mainly because of where they're priced, right? Like it's a 14,400 line. There are expensive spots on this slate but you can pretty much put them with almost any stack outside of Colorado, right? You might have to mess around a little bit with Vancouver. You probably can't full power play stack or something like that there, but um, they are playable with just about everybody. So you add that to the fact that they're not going to go up against Tampa's top line. Carolina, one thing they're very consistent about is how they match their lines when they're at home. When they're at home, it's Jordan Stahl's line out against the opposing top line. And Jordan Stahl's line, They've gotten better defensively since I last checked in on them, which feels like they were at – I remember looking a few weeks ago, and they were at 2.0 expected goals against for 60 minutes of 5-on-5, five five, which is like an excellent defensive number. They're at
2: 1.3 now. <laughs> yeah, they're a wet blanket. They're just a wet blanket.
3: They're allowing 0.3 goals against for 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. They've been on the ice for one goal against this season. One. And when you consider how bad the Carolina goaltending has been, it's incredible what they're doing. So I'll get to Tampa in a sec. That's why I'm kind of not super excited on Tampa 1. But they do go out against opposing top lines. Then they use Sebastian Ajo against opposing third lines. So tonight that means um, that means going out against that that Taylor O line. Um, that is... It's not a great matchup, but we don't really have a sample without Mikey Esimont on that line because he's up on the second line, which is just incredible stuff. Um, and, you know, Nick Paul had been on the second line for most of the season. So we don't have much of a sample there. But, you know, those are Janot has been pretty good defensively this season. Tyler Mott is usually a responsible defensive winger. So I imagine it's not a great matchup for Carolina one either. The matchup to take advantage of is, is against Tampa's second line. Um, you and I talk about how you know you brought up how Sorelli and Stamkos just haven't been working for a while. Like it's been a couple of years since this since that duo was any like. I'm not talking like even like league average. I'm talking I'm talking like awful together. In fact, I was looking at because Sorelli and Essamont have played together quite a not quite a bit but about 80 minutes together so far this season. 87 shot attempts for 48 against 3.9 expected goals for 1.6 against per 60 minutes. Like those are like just tremendous numbers it's basically the inverse um with Stamkos and Sorelli so that's why I'm kind of interested to see how that all works out but I think it's a a matchup that can take it be taken advantage of because I'm I like I like Esamon a lot I think he's a very underrated player I also don't think he's going to be on the top line or on the second line the entire game so I I think that's why it's a pretty good matchup for Carolina too you know you get net just on the top power play you know it's not really a great power play matchup um tampa doesn't really take a lot of penalties they're at 2.9 times shorthanded per game i think the league average is still around 3.5 so they're well below that um but the Carol, you know special cough and yemi are at 3.9 expected goals per 60 minutes so far this season. fetch has been skating more ice time per game over his last four or five games as he's worked his way back from knee injury um you know they're still looking for the he's still looking for his first goal Maybe it'll come tonight against Tampa. I just think like, yes, there is negative leverage on Carolina too. There is definitely reason to want not to, to want to not play them. I just think they're also in the best matchup when you look at how consistent Carolina is matching their lines. So, I mean, I have to say it. I do like Carolina too. Carolina one, um, I think it's perfectly fine to go back to them. None of them are really shooting that much though. I was looking at their numbers over the last three weeks. Nobody on that line is over 15 shot attempts for 60 minutes. And when you consider that as a line, they're at 70, that means like probably half of their shots are coming from defensemen, which <laughs> like, it's the Islanders thing all over again. And I think this is a, they're, they're a more talented blue line. So I don't mind the defensemen shooting as much. They're more talented forwards as well. So I don't mind all that. Um, I just think it's a pretty good spot for Carolina too. So I do like Carolina too on that side, on the Tampa side, like, I do like having Hagel on the top line. I just think even as bad as the Carolina goaltending is, like I said, the second, the third line, the Jordan Stahl shutdown line has been on, on the ice for one goal against this year. Like that is absolutely insane to just think about. Um, so I, I'm out on Tampa one, out on Tampa three. Like I don't think they're going to stay together. Tampa two is, it's actually the second line that I do have interest in. Cause like I said, Sorelia and Esamon have played well together. Stamkos is Stamkos. Like, all he needs is just like one clean shot and he's on the board. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really need to create a ton. Um, The Carolina second line's been a little bit better than league average defensively, but not elite or anything like that. There's certainly no Jordan stall line or anything like that. So, I guess if anything on the Tampa side, it would be Tampa 2.
2: But I think it's Carolina 2 I like best in this game and by quite a bit. Yeah. It's just the ownership thing for me and Vassi. It's like kind of. Making my head spin a little bit, kind of like concussions and claws, which we'll have tomorrow. But anyway, if you are interested in taking your game to the level next level, I know you guys are. And I know there are some of you who are not premium yet in this chat. It's not required, but you should click that link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. You get player and ownership projections, top stacks tools, line combinations, and the Discord a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff in that Discord. Lots of sharp minds. Lots of lots of stuff. I, I don't even know how to explain the Discord. You just got to get in there and check it out for yourself. Um, Cliffy's showing the different tools that we show or that we use on the show from time to time. So, again, that Discord. Click that link in the description box below. As always, Cliffy's article, always free to read on stochastic.com. Just click the NHL uh, tab. This show obviously always free as long as you hit the like button, uh, whenever it is. So, yeah. Let's move on to the next one here. The Winnipeg Jets with a 3.1 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have a 3.5 total. Alexander Barkov back in the lineup here. Uh, so the Florida lines are going to be Barkov, reinhardt Evan Rodriguez, and then Matthew Kachuk, Carter Hagee, Sam Bennett. That moves Lundell down, back down to the third line with E2 D2 Ryan and, and Nicky Cousins. Status quo for Winnipeg here. Heavy ownership on the Kachuk line. Heavy ownership on the Kachuk line. I mean, listen, they're they're the best. Like going back to last year, they're the best far to line. Like that combination is just, just gasoline. Like not like. 89 octane, like we're talking like 94. We're getting to like you know maybe some some race fuel there. Like they have been excellent. So and they're not and they're cheaper than the top line. They are coming in with some positive leverage too, but almost 16 percent uh, projected ownership. Probably going to see Hella too, but this is a pretty good matchup for them from an ownership standpoint. If you want to go to that Barkov line, like. Yeah, they're going to see Shifley, Connor, follow but like three percent. You get two guys on the top power play unit. Evan Rodriguez hasn't been great recently, but like, you don't like he's not like a third like a, a third wheel. Like I don't know. Like I don't want to name a third wheel because then Clayton's going to write it down, put him put put him in the uh, the slander lineup, and he's going to hat trick. So I'm going to. But like, I, I don't mind from an ownership standpoint going to Florida one here, but Florida two is my favorite on the Winnipeg side. This is a flow chart special, that top line 2.7% in a tough matchup against Barkov. So like, if I me, I'd probably go over the field.
3: Yeah. um,
2: This is definitely a
3: absolute flow chart special, you know, Barkov back. The top line is going to be better defensively you know it's going to help out the penalty kill Florida's penalty kill has been really good you know when their goaltending hasn't sucked etc etc this is an absolute flow chart special for the Winnipeg top line um on the Florida side like I'll just bring up the the ownership that you were talking about like high ownership on that second line 50 and half percent on DraftKings, Kings over 20 percent on FanDuel um I think justifiably so um You know, there are two guys on that line that are probably going to be on the top power play unit. Um, Winnipeg's penalty kill has just been really, really bad this year. Uh, That's one thing I wrote about in the picks article, because I did write up uh, Matthew Kachuk. Um, In 18 games, they've given up 16 power play goals against, which is, like, that's just not good. Um, And, you know, Kachuk's been a little bit snake-bitten, so... Eventually, the goals are, are going to flow, and they're going to flow fast for him. That's kind of the thing with Kachuk right now is he should probably he's at three goals. He should probably have like ten or eleven. There's going to be a week here where he, where he has like six goals in four games or something like that. It's it's just gonna it's gonna happen here probably in the next month. Um, they are that second line is creating. They're up to fifty minutes together. Three point two expected goals for. Um, you know you get two out of the three guys like I said on the top power play unit. when Winnipeg's penalty kills bad, so I do like Florida too here's the thing i think i'm on the florida one train tonight and that's something i don't often say um usually i i am uh i am somebody that goes to the kachuk for Hagee line i think tonight it's actually a better matchup for uh florida's top line brendan dillon think winnipeg defenseman they call him a game time decision he's been pretty good defensively for the team so far this year um they don't have anybody that can come in and replace him and it's, you know, it's not a high bar, but it's one of those things. Like if you take somebody that's big, good and replace them with somebody that's going to be bad. And then everybody else has to move positions or like, you know, roles or whatever. It just changes a lot. And, you know, the, like I said, the Winnipeg penalty kill has been very bad. The Florida top line with Rodriguez there. Very, very good. Like, I don't know why they broke them up. I'm going to be honest. Um, they're at 2.9 expected goals for 2.2 against in over 130 minutes together, 6.3 actual goals per 60 minutes of five on five, 0.9 against, and they broke them up. I'm still trying to figure out why. Um, You know, Reinhardt's been on a little bit of a slide lately. Uh, He was pretty hot through the first few weeks of the season. He's one of the guys that helped carry this team, actually. Uh, He's been on a little bit of a slide. But the Winnipeg top line has actually been their worst defensive line. Um, the Winnipeg top line is at 2.8 expected goals against per 60 minutes. That's below average, uh, 2.7 actual goals against. So I think the Barkov line is in the best 5 on five matchup. You get two out of three guys on the top power play unit going up against a penalty kill. That's been pretty bad this season. Um, they might be missing one of their better defensive defensemen as well. Like, I think things are just lining up very well for the Florida top line here. Um, you know, as we showed on the top stacks, like the ownership, they're coming in. 4% own against nearly 16% for Florida two. So a quarter of the ownership and they're only coming in with half the top two stacks. So I think the math kind of lines up for taking Florida one here. So I do like the Florida top line. I have no problem with either of the top two Florida lines. They're both really, really good. Um, you know, if you're worried about Barkov coming back from injury, maybe he only plays 16 minutes or maybe he leaves after the second period or something like that. Like I get it. Like, you know, it's a valid concern. It's just for me, if he's in the lineup, I treat him like he's he's all systems go. So it's Florida one for me. Um, like I said, second line is fine. I just think uh, I'd rather go with the lower ownership. Florida three, I don't think is in play. I will say Lundell and Cousins have been pretty good defensively this year. And there's that's important uh, for this matchup because Winnipeg three, Winnipeg's third line's actually been pretty good. Like I, I slander Mason Appleton a lot, but he's found a home in that third line with Adam Lowry and Nito Niederreiter. They've been really good. Um the winnipeg second line is like you brought up the winnipeg top line i think it's a bad matchup for them it's a bad matchup against Barkov. as long as Bobrovsky doesn't fall on his face the penalty kill for Florida has generally been really really good um but they aren't coming in with that much ownership so i certainly understand wanting to play winnipeg one here i'm at the point now where i think he can leave i follow off i think he has like one One assist and six shots in his last five games. And that's with Kyle Connor going on the tear that he's been on. So it's like, hey, man, what are you doing here? Um, But the Winnipeg second line, 1.9 expected goals for 1.9 against per 60 minutes. Uh, So far this season, like, they're not creating a lot. They're just riding some really good percentages. Vladislav Nemesnikov over his last three weeks is at 4.5 shot attempts per 60 minutes. (laughs) Like, you'll see dozens of players put that up just tonight alone like that's like he's not shooting um at all so it's all on perfidi uh in Ehlers and Ehlers shot rate has been going down I wrote about that uh elsewhere this morning his shot rate's been going down since the start of the season so Nemestikov's not shooting at all Ehlers shot rate's gone down like 30 percent perfidi's not a guy that shoots a ton to begin with
1: anyway Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Word, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: I think for me, it's 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 Winnipeg won or, or bust from this game uh, on the Winnipeg side. I think it's Florida one that I really, really like most uh, in this matchup. I will say I don't hate the idea of a Winnipeg three here. If you need a super cheap stack to go with your Colorado or or Vancouver or whatever, but I think it's both top lines and and Florida one more than the other.
2: Yeah. And just one final Florida one point before we move on. Uh, I think this is the first time this iteration of this line, which has been excellent this year, has played with Montour and Ekblad in the lineup, which will only help them more. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah. Well, it has. Yeah, you're right, because Rodriguez is just getting moved up and they just came back last week. So,
2: yeah. yeah. Calgary Flames, bad name, with a 2.6 total. Going into Dallas, the Stars have a 3.4 total. Dallas going back to their original lines, hence Robertson, Pavelski, uh, Duchesne, Sagan, Marchmont, Wyatt Johnson, Jamie Ben, Evgeny Dadinoff. Uh Calgary. Doesn't matter really. I, I don't know. Like they're going Lindholm, Manjipani, Sharangovich back on Coleman, Huberto, Kadri, Pospisil, Dube. So this game's in Dallas. So the top line, the Dallas top line is going to avoid that Coleman back on Huberto matchup. I kind of like going back to uh, Dallas one here. They got reunited. Maybe them getting switched up kind of maybe a little. Kicking the keister, I don't know, but they're coming in with positive leverage. They're only 18,600. We've seen them at times, 22,000. Calgary goaltending, we've talked about it ad nauseum. It's not good. Going to avoid Backlund. Like, I don't fear the Lin-Homangipani-Sharon-Govic line. I don't fear Kadri-Pasasil-Dube. I think going back to Dallas one is, is a good play here. Our boys... Do Shane Sagan Marchman probably going to get that uh, Coleman backland matchup? At least some of the time. Like you can go to them; they're getting negative leverage now. They're still really cheap. I much rather, for comparable ownership, get that fully correlated top power play time. So Dallas one for me on the Calgary side. Like I don't have much interest at all. But if, I, if I'm going to go to any line, it's going to be back on Coleman Huberdell
3: So I can hear Jake. Our boss Jake in my head going just play the good lines. <laughs> I'm not even sure which. I'm not sure which lots of the good lines in this game, other than the second line. And um, here's the thing: is like obviously the Dallas top line has a before the season has a huge sample of being one of the best lines in the league. Like just flat out one of the best offensive in you know two way lines in the league that has not been the case this season and it's not a matter of you know they're getting a ton of chances and they're just not finishing like Matthew Kachuk that we just talked about in the Florida game I was looking at some of their playmaking numbers this year one there's this uh, website called all three zones that does game by game tracking and scoring chance assists are exactly that they're an assist on a teammate scoring chance and it's it's like a proxy for an actual assist because, you know, there are more scoring chances than there are goals, et cetera, et cetera. So far this season, the top line for Dallas, Pavelski, Hintz, and Robertson, have combined for about 2.1 scoring chance assists for 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. The league average is 3.1, and last year they were at 4.6. So they're – and considering that they play with each other all the time, they're not assisting on any scoring chances or any reasonable rate of scoring chances so far this season so it's this isn't a case where they're creating a lot and just getting unlucky they're not creating anything like they are well below average especially over the last few weeks uh in creating offense and that's why i'm kind of running into a problem here with dallas because you know i agree with you they're not coming in with much of like considering 8.5 ownership uh, on DraftKings here tonight, like if this were November twenty fourth of last year, and this line was eighteen thousand six hundred at home against Calgary, they would have been the first three names into my lineup. This year, like there's a there are a lot of reasons not to play this line. Like one, they haven't been playing well. Two, Jacob Markstrom after a. Pretty brutal start to the season has actually been pretty good over, over the last you know three, four weeks. Three Calgary doesn't take a lot of penalties. Um they're at 3.3 times short shorthanded per game, that's below average. Uh the penalty kill has also been pretty good besides that. This line is just getting reunited after being broken up. So if Calgary's up to nothing after the first period, does this Dallas line start the second period together? Like, I'm not sure. So I just think. Like there are reasons to, there are as a lot of reasons to play them. And it's mostly what they've done in previously. It's not necessarily what they've done this year. That's a big concern for me. So like, I, I, I think I'm out on Dallas one. <laughs> it doesn't feel good because like I said, 18,600, this line should be like a $22,000 line. They're just, they are not playing like it. They are playing like a $16,000 line, if we're being honest. Um, and it's not like, the one thing that they could hang their hat on was the power play has been really good this year. They're at like 12.7 goals per 60 minutes, which is like, it's not quite Edmonton numbers, but its it would be like the next best team after Edmonton, you know what I mean, um, over the course of a full season. But that's it. And then Calgary's penalty kill has been really good, so like... I don't know. Mme, like, yeah, for sure. Single entry. I just don't know if I can do it. The Johnston bend, the Don off line has just not been good. They and they've been getting worse as the season's gone on, actually. I think that's that was part of breaking up the lines too, is that they have not been good. They're at 1.9 expected goals for 2.7 against over the last three weeks. Like, like I said, they've been getting worse. So, yeah, like, I guess if anything, it's back to the Duchesne, Sagan-Marchment line, but it's like, how many times can these guys do it? Like, they didn't have a good game last game. Dallas only scored one goal, and I think it was Joe Pavelski that scored, so I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Of course. We're,
2: we're, we're doing well. Yeah,
3: But, like, the line is shooting nearly, is shooting over 17%, right? And we've been seeing what happens to lines when they ride that hot. Like, look at Larkin, Debrinkat, and Raymond. Like, I think Debrinkat actually scored today. Um, so maybe not the best example, but they got broken up because after a really a great two weeks, they just went into a big funk and it's because shooting percentage crashed. And that's going to happen in this Duchesne line. Um, I just think they're the best line that Dallas has at the moment. And maybe they're only good line right now, which is absolutely wild to think about when you look at all the talent that they have. So I think the Duchesne line for me, but I'm going to be honest, I'm not really excited about stacking anything on the Dallas side on the Calgary side. I wrote up the Coleman Backlund Huberto line because I think that is a pretty good line um, at five on five. Um, 2.9 expected goals for 72 shot or 3.2 expected goals for uh, sorry, uh, 72 shot attempts per 60 minutes at five or 2.8 expected goals for God. All mixed up here today. Problem is, is like Michael Backlin's just not scoring. I think he's down to four percent shooting. This isn't a guy that, that shoots like 12-13 percent anyway. I, I like I could see him going a full season shooting four percent. Like he's only usually at like seven, eight percent anyway. Uh but they they might get matched up against Dallas's one good line, which is the Duchesne line. So it's a little bit tough. Like I might pivot and actually go back to the Kadri zari. Um, Pospisil line, um, Zari back in the lineup. Um, they're not going to have a ton of ownership. Like all the Calgary lines are probably going to be around five percent, give or take, uh, on either side. So, probably Kadri, Pospisil, Zari, you get two out of three guys on the top power play unit. Um, but I'm going to be honest, I, I definitely not Calgary one. I was looking at their numbers without Huberto. It feels wild to say their numbers are atrocious without Huberto. Um, 2.1 expected goals for. For 16 minutes without him on the line like that is just terrible uh so i think backland coleman uh and huberdo are certainly in play i might pivot to Kadri, Zari Pospisil. i'm gonna be honest i have been talking for about four or five minutes now i i, I don't think i'm going i'm going after a stack in this game i this game screams like maybe like three two with like mckenzie weaker like nikita zadorov gets one and like dylan Dubin and yegor sharon govich gets one um you know why johnston gets one and maybe joe pavelski tips in a power play goal and and then you know esel and dealt like it just doesn't feel like a high scoring concentrated game where one team is spreading out all their uh offensive players across three lines and the other team might have one good line playing right now so just not super excited about it i mean i can't wait it blows up in my face, and it ends up, like, you know, 6-4 or something like that.
2: It's like Dumb and Dumber. Simple no would have been just fine. <laughs> no, but, you know, uh, the Rangers should inquire about Elias Lindholm for their vacancy on the top line right wing. I think he's more suited for the wing than he is on the center. I don't think he's suited for any top line, but that's another story for another day. He's more suited than Blake Wheeler. Okay, turn it off. Okay, get a $300 deposit match on your first deposit with Vivid, who is our uh, sponsor. The standard deposit match is $100, so you won't get this offer anywhere else than using the link in the description below. Your first entry on VivPix comes with a $25 secure play. If your first entry loses, you get it refunded up to $25 in Vivid site credit. Predict whether these players have more or less than their projected stats across multiple sports and combine your selections for bigger payouts. If it was legal in New Jersey, I would definitely have taken advantage of that deposit match. You don't get that anywhere except for the link in the description box below. Colorado Avalanche with a 3.4 total heading into Minnesota. The Wild have a 3.1 total. Wild back from Sweden. Going with uh, our boy Rossi back up on the top line with Kaprazov and Zuccarello. Joe Erickson-Eck with Ryan Hartman and Marcus Foligno then Boldy with Mojo and Freddie Gaudreau, who is back. Looks like Nathan McKinnon's going to be in the lineup. They held him out of practice today for precautions after he blocked a shot off his hand in the last game, went for x-rays. If he's playing, obviously they were negative. Now, this game's in Minnesota, so that Colorado top line is going to be seeing Joe Erickson, Ryan Hartman, Marcus Felino. In a smallish sample, I think it's up to around 60 minutes they are giving up. 2.3 expected goals against per sixty, very good. We can in line matchup proof. This is an excellent power play matchup. Like even with Spurgeon back, their penalty kill has been pretty bad. So, what, do you, what can you really say about Colorado? One like that we haven't said already this year. They're going to play their 20 plus minutes. They're going to get you know a tough five on five matchup. But they got a tough five on five matchup the other night and ran It's like they just they just run teams out of the building. So like. You want to play Colorado one? Go for it. They're coming off back-to-back slates where they're in the winning lineup, right? They're 23-7, which is expensive, but their price really hasn't moved. That's what they've been. There's so many lines that you can fit them with here tonight. Like, you don't even have to try very hard to squeeze them in. It gets a little dicey if you want to add in McCarr, but, like, you look at their top two stack percentages, over 40% on a six game. That doesn't mean that they're going to be a top two stack like. There's a 41.5% chance that they will be one of the two best stacks. tonight. That's what that means. There's, that means there's a 15, 58.5% chance that they won't be. Some people get that wrong. You do what you want with Colorado 1. I, I like them. I like them a lot. I also happen to really, really like Minnesota 1 here because they're going to get bottom middle to bottom six matchups. Like I know the Johansson, Juren, Tatar – line in a in a small small sample has very good defensive numbers but ryan Johansson's had a pretty miserable season rossi zuccarello capers off when they were together weren't an expected goals machine but i think since then zuccarello's kind of turned it around a little bit i want to give them a second chance they have positive leverage colorado takes a ton of penalties at least two of the three will be on the top power play unit i like both top lines
3: yeah i'll i'm just wondering about the Colorado top line because of the McKinnon thing right like if he's he went to get x-rays on his hand and they were negative um that's all you know obviously it's good news it means there's no broken bones probably
2: a bone bruise
3: (laughs) yeah yeah or you know just a regular bruise but is he going to be like his shot happiest self here and that's a fair question because McKinnon was under 20 shot attempts for 60 minutes over for over the previous nine games as it was so, his shot rate had been going down since the start of the year. I think he had like back to back seven shot games. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where he plays so many minutes that even if his shot rate does go down, like, he'll still be an elite volume shooter. Um, and the top line has been excellent four expected goals, four 6.8 actual goals uh, since they were United after the Lekanen injury. Like, they obviously they've just been tearing apart teams. Even Valerie Nutrushkin has been starting to shoot a lot more. Um, it is just a pretty bold, brutal matchup. Like I was looking at Felino and Joel Erickson Eck. 2.1 expected goals against, 1.4 actual goals against when they've been playing together so far this season. Like it's, it's a pretty brutal matchup for Colorado at 5 on 5, but it's arguably the best power play matchup that they'll have in a game this year. Minnesota is giving up more power play goals per game than any other team in the league. That feels almost impossible when you think about all the great defensive Minnesota teams that we've seen over the last decade. They've given up, what, 19 power play goals this season? 19 power play goals against in 17 games. Like they're on pace. They're on pace to give up something like 88 power play goals against, which, what? You know what I mean? It, It feels like just bonkers stuff, but. And it's not just, like, the goaltending's been bad, don't get me wrong, but I was looking at the penalty kill numbers since Jared Spurgeon returned. The penalty kill numbers are terrible. They're giving up the fourth most shots against per minute. Whoever's running that penalty kill has got to be fired. Like, I don't want people to lose their jobs, but, like, how much more do we need to see here? (laughs) Holy God. (laughs) Um, But So that's kind of the conundrum with, with Colorado here tonight is, like, it's a pretty bad 5-on-5 matchup, but all they really need is like one goal at 5-on-5, like one lucky shot or one nice play, and they can get there the rest of the way through the power play. That's kind of the issue that I'm running into. Now, they are super expensive. I, I, it might be a case where I don't know if you have to necessarily full stack, and if you don't want to stack them, like just go play Kale McCart or something like that, you know what I mean? So... Um, I really, really do like Colorado one here tonight, especially um, with their ownership uh, as low as it's, I mean, as low as it is, like it's going to be 20%, but like considering it's probably the best power play th- that this is a better power play matchup than San Jose speaks volumes about the way this Minnesota team is being coached. Like I, I, uh, something's got to change, man, because it is it is really just blowing my mind that this team is worse than Montreal and San Jose on the penalty kill. And- Throw
2: Russo behind the bench. He'll get shit done.
3: <laughs> yeah. So like, I do like Colorado one. It's just a tough five on five. Like you're, you, they have to get there on the power play. That's just kind of the the whole problem here. Um, the Ross wood line, I think is fine, but, Minnesota's five-on-five defensive numbers have actually been getting better, and none of them are on the power play. Like that's kind of the issue is like it's not a good five-on-five matchup for the Avs at all, Um, and none of them are on the power play. So it's like I'll pass on the Ross Wood line. On the Minnesota side, like I wrote up Marco Rossi in the picks article. You're right. Like they don't have great expected goals numbers. I'm gonna be honest. I don't expect that line to have great expected goals numbers anyways with the way that they create their offense. And Matt Zuccarello has been getting better. Like, I I did slam him after the first, like, two or three weeks of the season. His scoring chance contribution numbers have been getting a lot better over the last few weeks. Like, back closer to where he was, you know, even two years ago. Um, So, I do like Minnesota 1 going up against the second and third lines from Colorado. Colorado does have a good penalty kill. But they do take four power. They're about four times shorthanded per game this season. A little under that. Which is amongst the worst marks in the league. So... I do like Minnesota 1 here. They're not coming in with a whole lot of ownership. Whoops, as you mentioned, 6% on DraftKings here tonight. So Minnesota 1 for me. um, Minnesota 2 is a little interesting. Boldy, Johansson, and Godro. It seems like an interesting combination, but it also feels like one of those lines where I'm going to wait to see if it's good before I actually assume it's good. Um, You know what I mean? So I think it's Minnesota 1 for me, Colorado 1. Minnesota, two is interesting, especially where Boldy's on the top power play unit. Um, but I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach there. So, you know, kind of chalky, I guess, but I think it's both top lines here or nothing.
2: Yeah. it's Clayton here? Write this down, Clayton. Ryan Johansson sucks. To- <laughs> he, just, he just had to say it. Yeah. Got- <laughs> oh, man. Like, I know the Sharks are on this slate, but Seattle's on the slate, and they are – they just killed me. Vancouver Canucks with a 3.3 total heading into Seattle. The Kraken have a 3.2 total. We have found the chalk fillers, my friends. Again, Gord, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand under 12,000 coming in with 12.5% projected ownership. Everleigh, Beneers, McCann over 11% projected ownership. I was telling you before the show, like this ownership is arguably worse than the ownership that they had against the Sharks. Like, I would rather play them against the Sharks at 15 to 18% ownership than 12% against the Canucks. Like, I I get it. Like, it's the Canucks, and they're due for regression. <laughs> they're due to get run over. I like Demko. Like, I just – I get it. It's price-driven. And Gjord, Tolvin, Yorkshire have been very good. Beniers, Everly McCann have been very good. I just – I just can't do it, especially when looking on the other side of the ice here. Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Mikhaev coming in at point. Uh- um I I don't know I I just saw the
3: the lineup update from Vancouver came out about 20 minutes ago we got slamming Sam Lafferty in Kuzmenko's place wow it doesn't look like because Kuzmenko took I think it was a shot to the face um maybe he just needs to rest no from last week Uh Okay. I, I, have, I have no idea what the injury is. I just know he's not at the morning skate. They have Sam
2: Lafferty in his place. Is uh, Bovillier on the second line still? Yeah,
3: he's playing with, with Miller and Besser.
2: Okay, we still have that. You look at you look at uh, now that Bovillier is up on the second line, you have Bovillier, Besser, and JT Miller at 1.2% projected ownership. Even if that doubles, 2.5%, I'd much rather play them than like Tolvin and Bjorkstrand, Gore to 12%. Yeah, Seattle – is good defensively. Like their lines have been good defensively and their penalty kill has been pretty, pretty good. <laughs> their goaltending has surprisingly been okay, but like Vancouver can just murder somebody on the power play. It's kind of like the Rangers conundrum. You don't play Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider for their five on five prowess. You play him because Zibanejan is going to take a slap shot from the dot and Kreider's going to tip it in. So like, if you're going to give me these guys at one, 2% for their power play, I'm interested.
3: So, here's what I'm thinking. With Kuzmenko out, is Bovillier going to the top power play unit?
2: Because <sighs> he we, might be. Yeah, because who, who took – was it Garland who took the spot the last time?
1: Because he was uh, out,
2: I know Horonic went up there when Kuzmenko left in-game, but, like, I think they just wanted two defensemen because they were up late. I'm not sure. I'm
3: just wondering, like, yeah, maybe they want to do like a double defenseman or something like that. But I mean, I think there's, there's a reasonable chance that Beauvillier ends up on the top power play unit. Like that feels like something. Like, that. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm thinking it's because, and Beauvillier didn't get there until Rick talked it. Like they basically, bas- like right, right around the same time because um, um they got there just after the all-star break. So like that might be a perfectly correlated line now, Beauvillier, Besser, and JT Miller. And like you were saying, um, not much ownership on them uh, per the top stacks tool, 1.3%. And I think it's just to kind of get that line going as well. Like they weren't playing that well in November, 2.3 expected goals for, 3.3 expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five. um, Miller and DiGiuseppe Giuseppe had not been shooting the puck a lot. And Beauvillier, like he's not like a tremendous, like he's not a hidden gem winger or anything like that. But I do think he's a middle six scoring winger that was kind of miscast on their fourth line. And now he's finally getting, you know, he was really good for the Islanders for years on the second line. Like not excellent, but like a 50 point player, which is good enough. And like I I think Miller, Besser and Beauvilliers is my favorite line in this game. The reason for that is that, it's a bad matchup for them at 5 on 5 for Vancouver. Seattle's been really really good defensively over the last month. Um but Seattle's penalty kill still sucks. Like they're bad and it hasn't been getting a, it hasn't been getting better. Um
2: so there's a chance that all three guys are going to be on the same power play unit. If not, you're going to get someone just in our Discord said it's horrific practicing on power play one this morning.
3: I mean, you still get, well, I mean, in that case, you get Miller and Besser on the top power play unit and then Pedersen's by himself from his line, right? So I think it just makes even more sense to go to Miller, Besser, and Beauvillier. Um, if the-
2: DeShepi, you might as well play him with Beauvillier.
3: Yeah, that, that's that's probably the best point you could probably make about this. Um, but it is a really good power play matchup for him. Vancouver gets there on the power play. Like we, we've seen that for like two years now and not a whole lot has changed. Uh, So I do like the Miller line here. I think they're a nice under-owned road line here um, that could surprise. Like, I get not wanting to play them in single entry, but they do seem to be in a spot uh, where they can take advantage of a really bad Seattle penalty kill at very, very low ownership for a six-gamer. Like, you know, say what you want about how hot Vancouver is riding, like, Besser's still been on an incredible goal scoring tear basically this entire season. JT Miller, one of the leading point producers basically this entire season, and they're coming in at 1% on a six gamer in a good power play matchup. Like I like the Miller-Besser Beauvillier line here on Seattle. Like, holy Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we feel the same way about it. I'm this. so tired of this team, yeah. man. Um my favorite line is is still um the Beneers McCann. Everly line, what I hate is that they're split on the power play units. Um, I wish they would just put them all in the same power play unit, but, you know, there's one one of Seattle's power play units has guys from four different lines on it. So, like, um, that's the that's the other problem here is, like, you want to take advantage of Vancouver's penalty kill. Vancouver also has a bad penalty kill. It's like, which Seattle line would you go to for correlation? Like, McCann and Everly are both on the same power play unit, I guess. So, like, you can do that. But it's the bad power play unit. It's the Justin Schultz one. So, like, it's Seattle one for me. Play any of these Seattle lines you like. I don't think, like, there's no matchup on Vancouver where I would say, oh, like, this is a tremendous matchup. Like, I guess it would be against the JT Miller line. But JT Miller also plays with Hughes quite a bit when they're on the road. So, like, yeah, Beneers, Everly, and McCann. I just,
2: I'm just tired of this team. Oh, I hate this team. I hate the sharks more, but like, it's just like this team.
3: Honestly, like, I it, would I would rather this game was Vancouver at San Jose. I think uh, I would be I would be more, more inclined, I would be more inclined to play San Jose.
2: I mean, there's Vancouver San Jose tomorrow night for our late hammer. That's why we're going to be drinking.
3: <laughs> can't wait.
2: Yeah, concussions and claws. This is sponsored by the Saturday Show. <laughs> but like, ah, uh, Seattle really does just drive me nuts. It's like. I don't even know if Dave Haxtell is a good coach, but he is an awful coach for dFx Awful. <laughs> anyway, coming up after us at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Daylight Time, NBA Deeper Dive with Josh Engelman and Adam Scherer, then 6.30 p.m. Eastern, NBA Live Before Lock with Greg Ehrenberg and Matt Bellman. So if you are a baller, make sure to stick around for that. Once again, thank you to Vivid Picks for sponsoring this show you can take advantage of that offer by clicking the link in the description below. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen and goaltenders here. Obviously at the top of the board, Mc, uh, McCarr and Hughes, I think they're both in play. Now, if you don't want to get to Hughes, obviously if Ronic is power play one, which it sounds like he is, he's going to be a very good play tonight at 4,900. But uh, I think McCarr makes a ton of sense here with, you know, how bad the Minnesota wild penalty kill is. Who else you like him? I
3: mean, Jacob Chickren. And- like, until Shabat gets back, like, I do like Chikrin, and, you know, the Islanders are a pretty high-paced team, which feels weird to say, but they are. So, like, there are going to be a lot of opportunities for both shots and shot blocks. Um, In the mid-price range, I wrote up Miro Haskin in, in the Picks article. He's blocking a lot more shots this year. His shots on goal have gone down, but it's simply a matter of missing the net. Like, if he was, if his shot attempts were on net with the same rate as his last three years, like, his goals per his shots per game would be bang on what they were last year. So I do like Haskin and you know, I think Brent Burns is priced a little too cheap uh, for a team with such a high total. Uh, you know, Brandon Montour, obviously still fine, especially I think on Vandal, his price is still uh, very reasonable. Uh, for cheap guys, Adam Larson, Seattle is at the top of my list. Um, the big problem with him earlier in the years, he was blocking shots, but he literally put up zero points in four weeks. He's actually start like he's not a big point producer, but he can be a thirty point defenseman, and um, he's starting to produce a little bit lately. So I really do like Adam Larson here tonight. Uh, Alex Romanoff from the Islanders. I think he's gonna have to block some shots here. Um, Ian Cole uh, from Vancouver as well. Um, not a lot of super cheap guys that I like here uh, tonight in this matchup. Like I think Eric Branstrom at twenty five hundred. Uh, for Ottawa, would be my like super punt du jour, but that's about it.
2: Yeah. The, I mean, I guess you can pay, you can also play the Finnish Jake if you wanted at min price. Yanni Paw. He gets like 19, 20 minutes. Doesn't do too much with it, but at least he's out there. He can maybe block three shots, but yeah. Um, Jake's better looking anyway. He's got that Giga Chad jawline. Let's talk a little bit about goalies. Demko, top of the list, 8,400 actually don't mind that. Like, I, I really don't. Um, I don't really spend up there too often, but, like, don't mind that. Ottinger, 8,300. People just give us crap for Ottinger all the time. He's a good goalie. You can play him. Yorgiev, I don't mind. Bob is a little bit wild. I don't know if I'd pay a k for him. then going down the list, like, Vasilevsky is the, the sore thumb. Sticks out like a sore thumb. 7,300 against Carolina. We love targeting goalies against Carolina. Uh, anyone else you like him?
3: yeah i think for me like like anton forsberg i think is certainly in play for ottawa um he was really good last year he had a bad really bad first few games this year certainly uh but had a pretty good game uh in europe you know if he's turned things around a little bit it's a really good matchup for him at home 7400 on DraftKings against the Islanders team that struggles to score a lot um but do that but do create a lot of shots so you know, I think Forsberg does make sense. Like the guy that stuck out to me was Hellebuck. Um, he had three really bad games in a row to start the year. And then since then, he's really locked things down. Um, shot volumes, probably a little bit of a concern, but they are facing Florida that does tr- create a lot of shots. So Hellebuck, Vasilis- Hellebuck, Forsberg, Vasilevsky would be my cheap goalies. Uh, the expensive one is Jake Ottinger. Uh, Calgary is is like New York Islanders West. Where they can create a lot of shots, but often not a lot of goals. So, I uh, do like Ottinger uh, amongst the expensive options tonight. What about Markstrom at seven hundred? Yeah, I, I i can get I can get behind it. I honestly do worry about volume just because, like, the Dallas just isn't creating a lot. You know what I mean? Like, this could be a game where he only phases, like twenty seven shots in like two goals against on 20 on 27 shots is enough to kind of not ruin a fantasy night, but he won't have a great score. Like, I, I'm just wondering, like, what's the, other than a shutout, what's the path to him having like a 25 DK point night. And I think it's pretty thin. That's kind of my only issue.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you're down to the cheapest goalies, it's Markstrom or Joey Decord. And I think I'd rather play Markstrom. But like... Yeah. I I mean, I agree with that for sure. It's just – there's not – unless Vladar starts, there's no one under 7K, and I definitely don't want to play Vladar.
1: Okay.
2: So. Sure. <sighs> Who you – oh, the slate. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick?
3: um I'm just – it's not off the board, but I wrote him in my, in my picks article. Uh, I do like the line here tonight, so I'll just go with it. Marco Rossi.
2: I had a feeling you're going with that. So I had a backup plan because if you weren't going to say it, I was going to say it. I'm also in the same game, though, but not the person you're thinking. Going Kale McCarr. Oh,
3: that'd be something. Dueling hat tricks between Marco Rossi and Kale McCarr would be like one of the best hockey nights I've had this year. So I would
2: goes. love it. Yes. We will be back tomorrow. At 2 p.m. Eastern for uh, our crazy Saturday. We we always ramp it up a little bit on Saturdays, a little bit looser show. Um, I just got a notification the Dolphins are in the red zone. Surprise, surprise. Jets fucking suck. But anyway, we will be back tomorrow. Good luck, everybody. Smash that like button. See you in the Discord. See you tomorrow. Good luck (laughs) tonight, everyone.